White Sox fans, Alyssa Bergamini, your in-game host for your Chicago White Sox, and you are watching the best podcast on the south side of Chicago, South Burbs Hitman. Make sure to tune in. You're listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing... You're listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Steven Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us in section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. Over the head of Jenks, Uribe charges throws out, and the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei, yes, 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 yes. History. A perfect game by Mark Burley, and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by 21. Pitch starts now. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to South Burbs Hitmen. I'm your host, Joe Mandel, and I'm joined by my White Sox brothers in arms, Chris Gonzalez, Vinny Parisi. Gentlemen, how you doing tonight? Uh, Vinny, trade deadline mania. We're here. It's time. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's that time of year we all look forward to as sports fans, no matter what sport you're a fan of. When that season of that particular league gets to trade deadline, it's always fun. You see it across all sports. The only trade deadline that kind of sucks is the NFL because it's very difficult to make trades in the NFL. And there's a a salary cap and the salary cap in the NFL is a little different than in the NHL. They're the same structure, but you have more players to fit under the cap and you know, certain players get more money and it's just a little bit different. It's harder to make trades in the NFL. But outside of that, trade deadline season is very fun. The White Sox are already underway by trading Reese McGuire to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for Jake Diekman. Jake Diekman's not a, you know, superstar reliever or anything like that. He's not Pedro Martinez, you know, as a pitcher. People kind of upset. They're like, oh, that's our lefty. Well, what else were you going to get for for Reese McGuire besides a DFA? So getting all lefty, Besides Tanner Banks, while Crochet and uh, Bummer are on the IL, it's better than nothing. So, you know, it's better than like having Bennett Souza come in as your lefty option right there. So, you know, I'm really happy with the trade, but there's definitely more to come. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to think that we got anything out of our catcher position. So I, I feel pretty good about that. Gonzo, how do you feel about the trade? And uh, secondly, do you think there's more coming? I mean, I would certainly hope that there's more coming because so far this move to me is just a sideways move. I mean, I'm, if you're in a championship window, you need to thread the needle. And I don't see this as a move that threads that needle. Yeah, granted. It's better than Tanner Banks going out there um, in high leverage situations. But if you're going to go out there and get a lefty, make it count. I mean, you got a guy like, you know, G, uh, what's his name? Giovanni Soto, is it? Detroit. That's that's a power arm of a lefty I would love to see in this um, bullpen. Um, you just saw San Diego go thread the needle and go get Josh Hader from Milwaukee Brewers. Mm. Yeah, um, that was a big splash. Listen, there's names out there. They're still available. I mean, the ones that are available right now that I would love to thread the needle, like a move that would thread that needle would be Kettle Marte. Um, but there's just so many, you know, there's already players gone that would, you know, like Castillo, Bentendi. I mean, contenders right now are threading the needle with moves, and we're just sitting our, on our hands right now and just watching it go down. I'm hoping yeah. that Hans aggressive, but so far all I hear is, and it's what we Chicago are used to hearing is we have a seat at the table. And yeah, well, just well, that's a that's a great segue, <clears throat> Gonzo. Vinny, the White Sox made a little bit of news today for the fact that they sat at the table. Well, they at least brought themselves. They brought an offer to the table for Shohei Otani from the Angels. Um, there's been a lot of different rumors out there about what what the White Sox offered, but regardless, they were at the table. The Angels decided to say, you know what, we're not going to trade Otani. I just don't understand that logic, Vin, and maybe you could help me understand it. But I would imagine they're getting offered some mega deals with mega MLB talent and probably prospects. How do the Angels do that for a guy that, you know, Otani has said, I believe I saw this in a quote today on Twitter, he said he wants to go to a winning culture eventually. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a dig in L.A., but how do you justify keeping him? Um, I know what the White Sox offered for Otani. I'm not allowed to say it, but it was massive. And I don't understand why in the world Los Angeles wouldn't want a package like that in return for Otani when they're going nowhere this year. Um, the only thing I can think of that makes sense in my brain is that I do know that they make a lot of money on days that Shohei Otani pitches. And yeah. They make a lot of money by plastering his face on just about everything. And to me, keeping him is a lot more than just baseball operations. It's also business operations. He's one of the most worldwide known athletes. I mean, we're talking, think of the high profile soccer players, Ronaldo. Um, You know, I don't even know the most high profile soccer players anymore, but even guys in tennis like Nadal or, you know, Federer, stuff like that. Okay, LeBron James, Tom Brady, Shohei Otani, and that guy plays for their team. And so I can understand why ownership, probably who people who aren't baseball people, I mean, doesn't Disney technically own the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Why, why would those people want to let go of that guy when money is probably the only thing truly on their mind? Same sure. thing going on on the Soto front because the Washington Nationals are in the middle of change of ownership. And 
you think as a new owner, you don't, you wouldn't want to trade away your franchise face of your team away right before you take over. So I think that's also a name that is probably going to be traded this offseason once ownership is fully intact to make that decision. Well, you think that's Trout is the guy that they're going to move? No, Soto, I was talking. Trout's never going anywhere. I don't think Trout's ever going anywhere. He makes so much money. He's injured. He's getting older. Yeah. I mean, who's going to take on a $400 million contract for a player with a serious back issue? Yeah, this is true. Well, again, that also makes me wonder why they wouldn't trade Otani when you have all that money lowered in the trap. But, you know, I mean, I get it. I get it. He kind of is the face of the franchise right now. So, um, anyway, we'll, we'll keep this ball rolling. But uh, interesting that the White Sox at least had an offer in. Trade deadlines coming at us fast. There's been a lot of big moves that have happened already. Uh, you know, Gonzo brought up Andrew Benetani, uh, also our friend from, from the offseason. Um, why am I drawing a blank on the pitcher from the A's? Uh, oh, uh, Frankie Montas. Thank you, Mont- Frankie Montas. Um, these guys are all on the move. The A's, as always, have a ton of guys getting traded. Gonzo, what do you what do you make out of the Montas trade and, and the Yankees upgrading with Benatendi? I mean, this is a team that's really good already, and they keep adding quality pieces. Uh, the Yankees got to be separating themselves from the pack and the AL, at least in my mind. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll start on Benatendi first. I like that move um, as far as Benatendi goes. That's just a guy that makes your lineup deeper, as I felt like the Yankees or um, lineup is top-heavy. And now you have a little bit more balance in that lineup. Um, they're going to be brutal. And to top that off, I mean, they needed pitching. And me, I was hoping that the White Sox would hold back from Montas because of that his shoulder issue going on with the inflammation in the shoulder. Which, as a pitcher, you don't, you know, it's it's a big risk, but it doesn't take away the fact that Montas is a top of the rotation arm. And that's what the Yankees got for him. Um, if he holds up, that shoulder holds up, it's a great move. And that's definitely a guy that's two or three in your rotation going into this postseason um, to go with Garrett Cole and um, whoever else they might end up getting here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty explosive. And, and I was originally saying going into today how quiet it's been at the deadline. And then today, you know, things kind of picked up. But but Vinny, based off of, uh, and I know there's a lot of stuff you can't talk about. I totally get that. But based off of what we saw today and the fact that the deadline is later tomorrow evening, do you envision tomorrow to be even more explosive? Yeah, it's becoming like that. Um, do you remember the first thing I texted you when I opened my eyes today? I told you no. a certain player was going to get moved. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was talking about Josh Hader. Now, the thing with Josh Hader is they were never trading all of that draft capital for a reliever. I don't think the Brewers, a first-place team, would have traded their all-star closer if they weren't getting that sort of a haul. So, yes, would it have been nice to add a lefty like that? Of course it would. You're not trading Reese McGuire for that. You're trading, I mean, I don't even want to say like a Colson Montgomery. Like, would someone want to do that for a – 
you know, a reliever like that, I wouldn't, but like, you're definitely assuming one of Colas or Cespedes goes, and then you start getting into Jared Kelly and Norhe Vera and, you know, all sorts of guys like that. You might even talk like Jake Berger, stuff like that. So, you know, it was just never going to happen on that front. As far as the rest of the deadline, it kind of seems like the Red Sox set the tone earlier to, or this evening. And when all those moves were happening kind of at the same time there around six o'clock, and they traded Vasquez to the Houston Astros, the team they're playing, and that's their catcher. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, what are the Red Sox going to do for the catcher? Well, they trade for Reese McGuire from the White Sox, but then they get Tommy Pham from the Reds. So it's like, are the Red Sox buying? Are the Red Sox selling? They're kind of doing a little bit of both. And it's the same thing with the Milwaukee Brewers. They're in first place. Josh Hader in their brain was a replaceable level this year because he's got an ERA over four, but really – it's kind of a flawed four ERA for him because his ERA was like under one or under two going into July. And then he had like five starts in a row where he like didn't even record an out. And it was just a bad little stretch there for him. And then he's been really good over his last three or four appearances. So, you know, the trade deadline, it's always very interesting. It goes in waves. And we went through a big wave a couple hours ago. It's been a little quiet ever since the Reese McGuire trade. And I'm sure there's going to be a flurry of moves. There are games going on right now. And I think that's always what kind of like puts a stop on it really quick. Like that, that Vasquez trade, he was in the starting lineup for Boston and then they yanked him like 10 minutes before. <laughs> and then he had to go to the other side of the building and join the Astros. And so once those games are over, that's when I'm wondering if stuff starts to pick up again. It's going to be one of those nights where I think things go relatively late into the evening. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm, I'm especially excited to see what our White Sox do. And there's been quite a bit of speculation across the board. You know, the big name that keeps coming up that we've been whispering back and forth about, I feel like on this show for at least three weeks, is our old friend Jose Quintana. We'll see if the White Sox can make a move for him tomorrow. Um, but outside of a starting pitcher like Quintana, you know, what kind of – Assets could they acquire with the limited farm system that we have? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm coming through right now or not, guys. But uh, you are. If you all right, cool. If you hear, so so, what do you think we can get outside of a starting pitcher? I mean, is there any rumblings out there, Vinny, that you've heard of anything other than a starting pitcher? Yeah, I've been told that they're only going for pitching. Um, they might try to get like a Joey Gallo later on after. But, I mean, it's just not going to happen. I, I just don't see them getting a big bat. The only bat that I guess I could kind of see, if they if things do change and they go for one, it's Jock Peterson because Jock Peterson crushes right-handed pitching, and that's something sure. the White Sox don't do. You know, they do really well against lefties. He's got an over 800 OPS against righties. So, you know, that's something I could see them doing. But outside of that, no relievers and one starter and Michael Kopech with the innings limit. I get the starter thing and, you know, Giolito and Lynn haven't been themselves lately, um, especially Lynn. And so you got those two guys, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from them game to game. And then Kopech's innings limit, you got Cueto and Cease who have been fantastic. It's not dumb to go for one more starting pitcher. Just what are you going to pay for it is my question. A lot of people, will be very angry if they trade for Jose Quintana. Listen, if he Jose Quintana came to the White Sox, 
he would have the third highest F4 amongst starters. The only ones with a higher F4 are uh, Cease and Cueto. So you could be wow. mad at it all you want, but it might end up being a war- deal that actually works out well as long as they don't give up too much. Yeah, I'm just – I guess that's the number one thing in my mind. Like, man, if we get Quintana, what are they going to want for him? You know, I mean, if you think back to what we gave up for Quintana, I mean, I don't think we'd have to give up anything like that. But then again, they didn't know what those guys were going to be back then. So, Gonzo, if we're dealing for Quintana, who are you comfortable giving up? Honestly, I wouldn't even do it if it was me, my opinion of it. Um, he hasn't really pitched well, you know, in situations where they're in contention. I mean, pitching well in a low-end situation in Pittsburgh is totally different than pitching, you know, in contention. Um, kind of saw it last year with uh, Kimbrell going from the Cubs at White Sox, so he threw him off. Um, I just – and that doesn't throw the middle, you know, the needle for me. I mean, that's just a sideways move in my opinion. Um, if you want a guy that's a little bit more – or that has definitely more potential – and has been pitching well this year. It's in Detroit and Scooble. I mean, go look up his numbers. He's been really solid and, you know, really high-end potential. There is a lefty that I would love to see them get if they're able to get him away from the division. Um, yeah. up to, you know, the Tigers, um, I forgot what they said that they were giving up anybody, but I forgot what name one of their prospects was, but Scooble's available. Um and sadly, I just can't you already see them dealing away. him within the division. I think that would be tough to see him d- d- deal him to a division rival. I don't, you know, I'd rather give assets away for him than Contano with the stuff that he has. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't want to bat, especially a corner outfielder like Ian Happ from the Cubs that has pop and a glove that's better than the right fielders that they have right now. Um, they need to do something to thread the needle. You can't just keep doing sideways deals. It's just not going to put you in ahead of any of these other contenders. I love what Seattle yeah. did. I love what Seattle did. They went to Seattle shocked me because they're a team that took two guys that I really loved. I was hoping the White Sox would get this offseason with Robbie Ray getting him. And then now at the deadline, they just got Luis Castillo. So their one, two, three is going to be Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo and Lucas Gilbert. It's all over one, two, three in the uh in the AL race. Um they're yeah. a team to watch and they're hot right now. I mean those are moves that you make when you're air quoting contending, you know, in a championship yeah. window. Well so. I think that's part of what's going on here too is that I don't think I don't know if the White Sox front office really thinks that these guys are going to be contenders, but they want to make a move where they could potentially you know, not give up too much, but also still stay in the stay in the mix. At least make the playoffs, Vinny. If we were going to get Jose Quintana, and again, this is just hypotheticals. This is not asking you specifics, but what kind of pieces would have to be in a deal for Quintana? Um, honestly, if I had to guess, I would literally guess it'd be like low teens prospects. I mean, maybe they throw like a Romy Gonzalez or a Davis Martin. Which I like Davis Martin, but yeah, you know I, I wouldn't. I would trade him for Jose Quintana right now because I do think they need one more starter. I don't think they're going to pay out the butt to get one. Um, the Yankees got Montas. I mean, 
I'm trying to think of who else might even be available. I mean, a lot of teams, there's that extra wild card spot and teams are hesitant to sell on the bubble. The Giants, they flip whether or not they're selling literally every five minutes. When they yeah. beat the Cubs in game one of that series, they were buying and they weren't trading Rodon and they weren't trading Peterson. Then they lost to the Cubs on Saturday. Oh, they're selling everyone. Everyone's on the block again. Buster only's tweeting the exact opposite of what he was tweeting the night before. And then on Sunday, they beat him again, took the series. Now they're 51 and 51. They're in a very similar spot as the White Sox. They're four games out of a wild card spot. They have no chance at the division. They don't even have a chance at second place in the division. So it's a little different on that front. But, um, yeah, I don't really know. I, I honestly think it's going to be, like, relatively quiet for the White Sox. They can win the division with little to no more addition. I mean, the Twins are losing right now. The Guardians are tied with the Diamondbacks. And, I mean, literally anything can happen in this division. Um, I wouldn't sell the farm for this year. Yeah. It's because I would come into next year fresh. Hopefully, Aloy doesn't get hurt again. Hopefully, I mean, I know saying that is just irresponsible these days. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, you just – this year's kind of had bad vibes since the middle of late uh, uh, April. And – you know, they're just now starting to pick it up. They didn't lose one. They lost one series in July. And they've had a winning month in every month since the beginning of 2021, except for one, April. And it's just an interesting team. I'm not sure they're going to be supremely active over the next 24 hours. Now, they were in on Otani. I mean, that is a fact. They didn't get him. They didn't get... A lot of the guys that they claimed they were in on, they always have a seat at the table that frustrates people. Really, the only thing to change that is to just like kind of keep your mouth shut until you get someone. But, I mean, I they're not getting Juan Soto. They don't like Juan Soto. They, they're, they're not like – that's not a guy they're paying $300 million. And that I've heard too. They wouldn't if they had the opportunity. So, But they like Otani. They would pay him what he's worth. And I believe if they could have, they would have tried their best to make him the first player in team history to make over $100 million. But, I mean, I'm expecting another reliever or two. I would go for one mm-hmm. more. It could be righty or lefty. I would prefer lefty. Um, and then a starter. And then maybe, maybe if all the cards fall correctly, go get like Jock Peterson so you could stop making guys like uh, whoever's starting for the Royals tonight. I forget who it is. Is it Keller? Is it Brad Keller tonight or is Brad Keller tomorrow? No, Brad Keller. I believe, I believe it's uh, it's um yeah. what's his name? It's freaking Lynch. Lynch so was ten, Lynch was tonight. Yeah, Lynch is tonight. So and they're making him look like Clayton Kershaw. If you had Jock Peterson in that lineup, I think things would be a little bit different. Um, eight hundred OPS versus left right-handed pitching, hits home runs can make him the fifth or sixth hitter in the lineup. Um, if they had a bat like that, I'd be cool with it, but I don't necessarily foresee it happening. I don't see the Giants selling. Uh, maybe they will though. I wouldn't even want Jack Peterson because, I mean, yeah, you get the bat, but then you have to give up the defensive liability with the glove with him. I mean, it's the same reason why the Giants oh. are, are suffering this season because of all they lead. They're up there in errors in the well, league. Look at <clears throat> Gonzo. Is he going to be any worse than putting Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn in right field? I don't think so. <clears throat> As a glove-wise, he's up there. I mean, it, no, he's not. Not, not with making a lot of errors out there, Vinny. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like you could do better than Jack Peterson again, but 
it's what you want to give up. I I wouldn't want him because I think if you want to get a guy that has some pop and better with a glove, well, Tampa Bay Razors got their guy, in, uh, David Peralta. Um, yeah, but what you're forgetting just... is we have a GM and, a, and an owner that doesn't want to give up anything. And I think Jock Peterson is like the typical guy. It's Jock Peterson or Joey Gal. I mean, those are the two guys that I think that they could get in bargain basement. I mean, maybe that's the wrong way to describe it, Vinny, but those are the two guys that I see them willing to, to acquire. Jock Peterson is very well-liked. Um, a lot of teams would trade for him. The World Series champions traded for him last year. He's big in the playoffs. He's got a big bat. He's got a lot of power. And I legitimately believe all three of us could play right field better than Gavin Sheets. So. And we love Gavin Sheets, but – I love Gavin, friend of the program. I would tell him right to his face, he's a better first baseman than a right fielder. I would tell him right to his face. Absolutely. And I, you know, totally agree. Just like our buddy Jake Berger is a better DH than he is a third baseman. It's just fact. Yep. He would agree with that too. But I'm not saying saying he's like worse at all than Gavin Cheats defensively. It's just, I don't think you're getting any better out in the outfield by having him out there. You definitely have more pop. But like I said, I just think you can do better than that. Um, I already threw Ian Happ out there. But, well, again, I don't, what are we what are we going to have to give up? The, the Cubs will – I don't know. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot of stuff's going to happen. In the, next you're gonna have to, the thing is, Joe, is you're going to have to give up something to, to win. So do you want to give up the farm now or later? I mean – I do. I'd rather it now because you actually have something going, because nothing's guaranteed to come. Um, but that's you know just you, you have no clue what's going to happen. All you have to do is get to the postseason, and from there it so just takes think, off. You think they should give up Lance Lynn in a deal? Did I hear that right? What? Yeah, maybe I didn't hear it right. <laughs> no. Did you say you have to include Lance Lynn in the deal? No, I said you have to give up something. You know, to win eventually. Oh, win. Got it. Yeah. yeah not, I thought you said we got to give win. up Lynn. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a, well, I mean, but the way he's pitching right now, maybe, maybe you can, but they just gave him a big deal anyway. <clears throat> but we've, we've talked a lot have, about the trade. Go ahead. As I say, you still have Lynn for one more year. And yeah, he gave up, what was it, two home runs last start with the four runs total. But he didn't give up any walks. And he had eight strikeouts. I mean, his stuff was there. He just missed on three pitches that game, you know, in that outing. Had a solid performance before that. I think Glenn's starting to turn around. Um, yeah. But again, it's not, it's not pitching that I'm worried about right now. It's our offense, how anemic, yeah. you know, anemic they are. Uh, briefly switching gears for a second to another team. And this is a trade. This is a guy that we talked about a lot on the show, Vinny. Mancini getting traded to the Astros. How big of a deal is that in the American League? Because I think that's going to be a huge trade that's going to have a big impact on the playoff uh, the playoff picture as a whole. Yeah, the Astros are loading up. There's no doubt about it. They have probably the Cy Young favorite in Justin Verlander. And, you know, we all know about how good Jordan Alvarez is and Altuve – and, you know, they had a guy like Vasquez who could play a solid catcher. Uh, you know, Maldonado's there. Um, now they add Mancini, who's just been 
one of the more beloved players in all of baseball. You know what? I think the Astros kind of knew what they were doing there too. They're the most hated team in the league by far, right? And they're even more hated than the Yankees and the Dodgers now. And I truly believe that. And one of the sweetest men in the league is Trey Mancini. And he's just been an awesome dude, cancer survivor. Everybody loves him. Great teammate. Baltimore Orioles was there through the rebuild, wanted to stay. I mean, he was their Jose. Imagine if the White Sox traded Jose Abreu in 2019. And he wasn't there when they were awesome in 2020 and 2021 and hopefully the second half of 2022. That's the equivalent of Baltimore trading Mancini because, man, they're going to be damn good soon. And they're they're pretty good now. And I've seen them play in person three times this year. Isn't that weird? Twice at Guarantees Rafe, once at Wrigley. Um, it, it's a good team. And they got assets for Mancini, and he's going to go to the Astros and hopefully make them – well, not hopefully for me. I don't really care. But in their case, hopefully uh, make them a little more likable. And when he hits a home run in the playoffs, no one's going to be mad about it. And they're trying hard to to boo him. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a little bit of PR behind that one for me too on top of getting a great player. If there was him – let's say it was him and Jock Peterson, and all they were looking at was the bat. The tiebreaker has to be the guy who makes them a little more likable. Yeah, that's true. I personally hope Peterson gets traded to the Red Sox so that him and Fam could be on the same team and they could maybe fight in the dugout about their fantasy football league. That'd be awesome. I love that, Vinny. Nice, nice little segue. Uh, we've covered a lot of trade deadline talk. So, what do you boys say we kind of get into the the meat and potatoes of our own show. We talked a half hour about the trend deadline and let's dive in and talk a little bit about uh, our old geezer of a manager. Uh, what's his name? Oh yeah, that's right. It's uh, Tony La Russa in this week's La Russa's locker. All right, boys. It's been an inconsistent week, to say the least, out of Tony, although we have not lost a series, as Vinny pointed out, in the month of July. One series. Oh, sorry. We lost one series in the month of July. We tied four. That's why it doesn't feel that way. So I'll let Gonzo go first because we all know how he feels about Tony. But Gonzo, what do you think about the last week from our buddy Tony LaRusso? Um, I'm like you said, Joe, just teams inconsistent. I mean, I don't know what you can ask for Tony. I'm just hoping that, you know, moves are made at the deadline here, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. looks like we're going to be seeing our hands here. Um, good thing though, is you get to take Deekman, put him into the bullpen as a left handed pitcher. Hopefully better moves are made here. Um, yeah, you traded Reese McGuire away, so now you got Sebi back. You have Sebi and Grandal catching. Both both of them aren't great with the glove. Um, I've seen Sebi multiple times, at least three times, take his eyes off the ball and throw it to the plate, and the ball gets by him when there could have been a put out at the plate there. Key parts of the games, too. I mean, I don't feel like, you know, 
the White Sox players have much accountability right now. Uh, everything's put on Tony, and I guess that's rightfully so when you have the expectations that the team did. Um, I got to praise – there's one moment I got to praise Tony this week. Um, a lot of people wanted Tony to um, sub out po- Pollock when he came up to the plate with the game on the line there, and Pollock came through with two runs there. Um I thought that was a great hit by AJ Pollock when it was needed. Um, and he's been on fire as of lately in the past month. I think his OPS was in the thousand. I thought, I thought it was, but the guy is just ripping it. Um, I'm just hoping that, you know, with the easy part of the schedule that we've been talking about since they all break. Yeah. That the team starts to go on a run here. Um, they were, 12 and seven over the past 19 games. So he's got to continue to win series here. Um, you have a great stretch here with Kansas city and Texas. I mean, you go on a 17 game stretch here where you should be winning series and you should take, you know, the, the division over. Um, but for me, you know, I mean, yeah, I hope they win the division, but it's more than that. I mean, your GM said that you're in a championship window, so we got to play like it and, um, see what happens from here. But ultimately, I'm not too worried about Tony. Um, if anything, the bullpen man, you know, management is going to get better with a guy like Diekman coming in, who's a better arm than the lefties that we've seen with Sosa or Banks. Um, yeah, like Benny said earlier, you'd love to have Crochet or Bummer out there, but that's just not the case at the moment. Um, sure. And yeah, I mean, you, you need, first off, we need our starting pitchers to go deeper into these games. Um, if there's one thing I criticism I would have is I'm tired of seeing five innings pitched. You got to go six, seven, at least start getting deeper into the, the game. So there's less, less outs out of the bullpen to get, um, cause yeah, a lot of these guys can't pitch back to back. Apparently, I guess out of the bullpen, your guys like Joe Kelly. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel great about how the bullpen has been kind of gelling together lately, but of course, of course I say that in the last couple of days, uh, it's been a little bit better. Uh, but Vinny, I know you're on the opposite side of the fence uh, and put on our, your socks this week on uh, numerous times. Uh, you said the White Sox have a horrible manager. And uh, what did you say about the GM? You said something about him being asleep at the wheel or something along those lines. Um, just curious what your thoughts are on Tony this week. Yeah, I mean, he had a really good game on Saturday. I thought he managed the game well on Saturday. But other than that, I mean, it's mostly I hate him. I don't hate him. He was a great manager in his career. I don't think he's having a great year at all. Um, Leary Garcia plays far too much. Um, When Tim Anderson got ejected, he put in Garcia to hit instead of Vaughn. And I understand Vaughn's not a shortstop, but you can pinch hit Vaughn and then substitute Garcia to play shortstop after. I just, there are a lot of things that are mind boggling to me, but you all know that. I really, I'm honestly tired of talking about it. I think Tony stinks and I'm not sure the White Sox can win as long as he's there. With that, we have a bit of breaking news. Oh, they are not going to land Jose Quintana. He is going to go to the St. Louis Cardinals instead and the White Sox are very mad about it internally. Very mad. So that's that. Wow. Wow. So no Jose Quintana on the south side. Breaking news here on South Burbs Hitman. 
Jose Quintana headed to the St. Louis Cardinals, and White Sox are not happy about it. Vinny, thank you for that breaking news, man. It's uh, right off the cuff. I love it. So is he going to pitch um, for every team in the NL Central by the time it's all said and done? I wouldn't be surprised. He's got the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Pirates under his belt. We got to get him in a Reds uniform, a Reds uniform one time, and we got to get him in a Brooker uniform one time. Hey, anything can happen. You put your mind very, to it. Very unlikely for both. <laughs> yeah, probably probably not. But let's be honest. Um, maybe they're minor league affiliates, but not the actual major league team. <laughs> yeah, he's having a good year. There's no doubt. Yeah. We'll see how he does with a good team like the Cardinals. They're trailing the Brew Crew in the division, but the Brew Crew, they sold Hater. They're looking to trade Navarez. And, man, I, I, I think the Brewers would have won the World Series last year if Christian Yelich was still MVP Yelich. I mean, he yeah. is just falling off a cliff. Um, I think back to that 2018 season when him and Bellinger, or maybe it was 2019, where him and Bellinger were just the two best players in the league by far, and they won one and two in NL MVP, and now they both are kind of bad. And the year before, it was Baez and Yelich, one and two in the MVP, and now they're both kind of bad. So I don't know what was in the water for the MVP race for those two years, but man, the Brew Crew would be different if they had Yelich. But, you know, that's just a side note talking about the NL Central and how things are kind of shaping up after the trade deadline as the team at the top is selling a little bit and the team in second place is buying a little bit. And then the three teams at the bottom are all selling because we saw the Pirates trade Quintana, Cubs have made two trades, Efros, and drawing a blank on the other reliever they traded's name. And... Um, Obviously, we know the Reds are giving away everyone for a bag of baseballs. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's amazing. Uh, I'm starting to think the White Sox may not do anything at this point, but I guess we'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm sure they're probably going to get pissed off and make some sort of deal, a reactionary deal, but um, only time will tell. See if Rick Hahn or Jerry open the pocketbook, but, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath there. Um, but let's dive into some players that didn't live up to expectations this week. Someone that pooped the bed in this week's Adam Dud of the week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Lousy. No excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. Yeah. So there's. There's a handful of performances this week of, of guys that just didn't come up to snuff. Um, the list, I mean, it's a very inconsistent list, but there's probably a lot of pitchers on there. There's some offers. Uh, Gonzo, if you had to pick one guy to be this week's Adam Dud, who are you going with? So that's a tough question here because I'm going to do a combination of Lance Lynn and Giolito. I was expecting better out of Gio. Um, I know it was just one inning, but you just can't get behind like he did in that first inning, going down 3 nothing, having to battle back in Colorado. And same thing with Lance Lynn. I mean, I know he's he's still missing a little bit of the touch here, but you can't be leaving you know, these balls in the zone to be blasted. you got to pitch the corners, which is, again, if he has the touch, He's pitching, you know, he's hitting the corners and not, you know, getting barreled on. Um, 
So yeah, those are my two starters. Uh, they are my um, Adam Duds of the week. Adam Duds of the week. Sorry, I was gonna say put on your board. Yeah. I was getting ahead of myself. I mean, if those are your put on the board players, there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's there's been some duds. I, I think Lance Lynn probably would have been my nomination, but I'll, I'll uh, you know I'll toss it to Vinny here. If I had to pick somebody, Vin, who who was kind of at the bottom of the barrel for you this week? Yeah, so I was actually thinking it's got to be either Giolito or Lynn, but the reason I have a hard time crapping on them in general, I mean, there's no doubt they they can't let the team get behind like that. We know how pathetic the offense has been for most of the season but it's mostly just one bad inning for both of them and then I think and I'm not even saying this to criticize Tony because I probably would have left him in too because you got to go six Lance but you know that's not Tony's fault that he didn't pull him after in the sixth um but I mean maybe that's just Lance Lynn now and uh, now I'll rip on Tony if he doesn't go to school on that and realize that you know maybe Lynn is a five inning pitcher, at least for right now, until he figures it out, then you maybe ease the trust in a little more. But I mean, it's for the most part, it's been just one bad inning. Like Giolito gave up three in the first and then locked it down the rest of the game. And they ended up winning and coming back like, or at least having a chance to win. I don't remember if they ended up pulling off the win in that game. Sometimes they blend in, but you know, that's why I think they'll get it back at least some semblance of what we're used to seeing from them. But if I had to pick someone, the, the guy I'm going to pick, though, he redeemed himself, though, right? Like, I'm going to go with Gavin Cheats. He was brutal, you know, in certain stretches of the week, and he's always in the lineup because they play the lefty-righty matchup instead of just having the guys who are just better hitters. And, you know, he was awful in right field on Friday night when I was there. Awful. I mean, he he can't play that position. I think that might be his least most effective. Like, he might pitch better than he plays right field. And, like – so, but then the next game, the big home run, the double in the ninth inning, pinch hit for Angle comes around and scores. So, you know, it's just kind of a combination of the offense as a whole not really supporting their pitchers the way that they should, as kind of my Adam Dud of the week. Just to add to Vinny there with Lance Lynn in that sixth inning, I mean, he got that first out right away and he was only at 80 pitches. Like, I just don't understand why, you know, anyone would doubt like leaving him in. Um, especially when you're behind, I mean, he's still contending to get the, you know, try to get a W in the game and he's, he had enough in him to get through it that quick out. You got two more outs to go. Um, but again, I mean, they didn't do enough. The, the offense didn't do anything to even make it matter to me in the end with Lance Lynn. And like I said earlier, he had no walks and eight strikeouts. So it's not about not having control with Lance, that just not having the touch and three at bats it turned out to be in that in that performance. Yeah. So Yeah, I'm, my my Adam Dud of the week is just gonna be White Sox base running as a whole. This team is horrible at running the bases. And I know a lot of that goes to the coaching staff as well, but these are major league players that have been through the minors, they've been through college, they've been through the whole the whole run, the whole gamut, and you're still going to run the bases like that. Uh, I don't know, guys. It, it just makes me so mad, and I think White Sox fans as a whole should be pissed off with the way this team is in the base pads. So I know I probably could have done this multiple times this year, but this week especially it pisses me off. So learn to run the bases, guys. It's brutal. 
Absolutely. I, I like that, Joe. I mean, these are pro-level athletes, and your pro-level athletes should be fundamentally sound. And I'm sure that these guys went through all different sorts of programs out there that got them tuned into the fundamentals of the game that they should be a lot better than what they are. But, I mean, we saw this back earlier in the season with Danny Mendick, if you remember, in Toronto, trying to tag up on first, first to second, got thrown out at second with the ball and right in front of him. Like, that's on the player. That doesn't come to coaching. That's just the player overthinking it and just – like I said, overthinking it, and you get tossed out at second base to end the game. Like it's just moments like that, Joe. Like you said, base running, it's it's just pathetic. Um, again, I don't know if you want to put that on the GM for how he builds the roster, but in the end, you just have to you have to be better. And yeah, they have to be better to players as a whole. Yeah, you, the whole team's got to be better. It falls on management. It falls on the players across the board even the coaches. So that's all I got to say about that. It's got me pissed off, but let's go to the other side of the fence and talk about the guys that had a pretty good week or an amazing week. If you're a certain player and this week's put it on the board player of the week. I think I think this is a guy that continues to steal the hearts of White Sox fans and people who love pitching across the league. And I, I think it'd be impossible to not nominate Dom Dylan Cease again. He just continues to bring it week after week, start after start. And the fact that this guy wasn't an all-star still makes my blood boil. So, I mean, the, some of those pitches, he was striking guys out, making them just look silly out there. So Dylan Cease has been my put-on-the-board player of the week for as far as time can tell, and it will be probably for the immediate future. But there's been a couple other guys that have been red hot, but Dylan Cease for me is that star on the uniform, just badass on the mound. Vinny Parisi, um, I know you're a Dylan Cease fan this week too, but do you have someone else that, uh, that lit it up for you that you're feeling good about? Yeah, there's another pitcher on the White Sox that I'm extremely happy about. It's Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto was brought in off the scrap heap. Um, Just a really smart pitcher. Just really smart move to bring him in in general. And, you know, it's one of the only things they've done right between management and coaching and, you know, just everything in between. And he goes out there and he just gives you six hard innings minimum. I think he went seven in the game on Saturday. And, you know, he gave up a sol- a couple sh- solo shots. That happens. You know, he's not a one. He's probably not even a two on a really good team. But he goes out there and pitches on – he, man, if Johnny Cueto from this year was on last year's White Sox team when Cease, Lynn, Giolito, and uh, Rodon were all outstanding, like top flight. Like you could have argued any for one of the four were the ace at a different point. Like early in the season last year, Giolito was the ace. Or no. Lynn was the ace very early, and so was Rodon. And then, you know, there was a stretch there in June and July where Giolito was just pumping out one-run starts after one-run starts, shut, complete game shutout against the Astros. And, you know, there was that stretch there in August where Cease was, like, shutting everyone down, struck out Josh Donaldson, and walked off the mound. Like, there was a stretch last year where everyone was. If Johnny Cueto was the number five last year instead of Keuchel, they probably would have won 100 games, right? So, like – yeah. It's it's really tough to see him be on this team, 
playing this well. I don't know if, you know, I don't know how it's all going to end for him this year, but, you know, last week he was magnificent and I loved his game against the Oakland A's. So he gave them a chance to win and I appreciate him for it. Yeah, me too. Cueto, Cueto has been the diamond in the rough with this team. He's been the South Sider. I mean, he's been like the typical White Sox pitcher, just grinding it out and kicking ass. So props to Johnny Cueto. Chris Gonzalez, who is your pick to Sorry, you put it on the board of the week. I share mine with you, Joe. Um, and I saw two quotes from today that I want to share. First one being from the MLB Network. Um, they tweeted out that Dylan Cease takes home the July Pitch Hand Award. I've never heard of that before, but it seems like some high praise. Um, Dylan topped off the, the list here with 35.2 innings pitched with a .76 ERA and 40 strikeouts in the month of July. And then the other tweet, I'm going to scroll up here to get back to it as it comes from our friend of the network and Ryan McGuffey. Ryan McGuffey put out there that Dylan sees in June and July had 11 starts, went 9-2 and with a .57 ERA with 85 strikeouts and only given up four earned runs. And I believe those four earned runs are on solo shots. Um, and the opponent's slash line was .189, 278, and 278 going across the board. Um, Dylan was the AL Pitcher of the Month in June, and if he wins in July, he'll be the first White Sox pitcher to ever win back-to-back months. So I don't know how he's not um, a uh, all-star candidate for our team, that the league didn't see that, but at the same time, Dylan, you do your thing, go get the Cy Young. That means a lot more to not only yourself, but for the team, as that will propel you not only propel you, but propel the team into the postseason. Um, kid's been unbelievable. Um, I'd be lying if I said he was he would be this great in the progress. I mean, I was out here on top of the mountain saying that he's going to be our ace. I didn't think he'd be this great. That's good. Um, as he's been unbelievable. Um, and I'm just very, very happy that Dylan's having this performance. Um, I'm just hoping that Cueto and others, well, Cueto is already doing it with quality starts, but I hope others like Michael starts to make that same progression and step it up here. Yeah, I hope Giolito, so. Giolito and uh, Lance Lynn. Um, but yeah, Dylan Cease is unbelievable. He certainly is, and uh, we'll talk about him in the pick-to-click section later on, but Zim wins again for picking him for the second consecutive week, and it paid off. But um Let's get back to it and talk about the week that is coming up for our White Sox. Of course, we have a game going on right now. So let's take a deep dive into what's happening the rest of the week in this week's White Sox Weekly. Uh, yes, White Sox Weekly. We're previewing what's coming up. We're playing the Royals. Gonzo, why don't you take us through it a little bit? Of course, tonight you got Moist Michael on the mound, but uh, what's going on the rest of the week? Yeah, Joe, you have a, so we have a three-game series starting at home this week, Monday through Wednesday. Game one, like you said, Joe, is uh, was Michael Kopech versus Dylan Lynch. And uh, I don't know why, as a lefty, he's having the performance that he is because – I know last year we were amazing, but we were pretty decent this year. 
versus lefties, and uh, this is the second time we're facing him as he pitched earlier in April against us. And you'd think the second time around maybe we would uh, have better at-bats versus him, but that's not the case at all. Um, game two tomorrow is going to be Brad Keller versus Lucas Giolito. Um, hopefully Lucas continues to bounce back. But more importantly for Lucas, it's getting past the first inning as that's been the hardest <laughs> inning yeah. for him. But that's not just him. It's, I mean, that's statistically across baseball. The first inning is the hardest, but definitely for Lucas. Um, game three, Lance Lynn for Brad Singer. Um, now, you would think that we would at least win the series, take two of three, if not sweep the Royals. Um, hopefully the guys can pull through tonight, possibly. But um, besides Lynch here, definitely with Keller and Singer, these are two righties that the Sox have seen multiple times. Um, yeah, granted, they are right-handed pitchers, which has been our Achilles heel late, you know, as of this season, it seems. Um, but there's also a team with Kansas City that just traded away Ben Tendi and their rookie Bobby Wood, Bobby Wood Jr. is injured. Um, so this is a team you should take advantage of, and hopefully the boys continue to do so. Um, hopefully tonight, like I said, that they come back. Um, series 2. It's going to be on the road in Arlington, Texas against the Rangers in a four-game series Thursday through Sunday. Um, game one on Thursday. It's looking like it's going to be Cueto versus Otto, right-hander for Texas. Um, like we brought up earlier, all Cueto does is throw a quality start, so hopefully the man continues to dominate. And it's perfect guy to start the series with um, on the road. And the Sox have been better on the road than they are at home. So hopefully we see some good stuff. Yeah. Um, Friday, very interesting matchup. Um, Berger mentioned him in our interview, but Dylan Cease is going to go up against Dane Dunning, the former White Sox pitcher. Um, and Minecraft player. <laughs> Minecraft player. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I love to see this matchup. Um, three on Saturday is looking like it's going to be Moist Michael in his second start of the week versus a guy I had on my list this offseason for the Sox to get for later in the rotation, and that was uh, Jonathan Gray. Yep. Or, sorry, on Gray, my bad. Um, he had a really great performance. Gray, I'm thinking, had a good performance earlier in the season versus the Sox at home. Uh, he's going to be an interesting candidate to go up against and maybe Sox think about talking to the Rangers for him because if you could split innings with Michael and him per se, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Game it's a four big contract. Is, what was it, thirteen million? I don't know what it's spread years wise what's spread against. Maybe yeah, can well, think, you never know. Maybe. Um there's a lot of money coming off the books this offseason, so I'm not really worried about <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Um, last game of the series, Lucas's second start of the series, and that's going to be up against Howard, the righty from Texas. So again, this is another series where you should be able to win the series and take it. And that's, and it's a four game series, so hopefully you don't split it, but should be able to win it, um, on the road. We'll see if they can continue to win on the road. Um, Corey Seager is starting to get. Um, caught on fire here. Um, they have the sophomore player from last year, Garcia, who's a, another great hitter. Um, 
Texas has some interesting players. I mean, they bought Simeon's contract over the offseason, so they got some bad, some hitters to watch out for, but overall it's a team that is in a slump right now. I think something we have to think about too is there could be some Texas Rangers that get dealt here tomorrow. There's a lot of quality players on that team that are just not gelling well together. I, I don't see Semyon being one of those guys, but um, I think there are a lot of guys you could see possibly moved. Um, I do want I do want to say that um, I think Cox Harrelson said it, but it's not who you play, but when you play them, and we just. Sure. We just faced the A's, who just swept the Astros, and we we were able to take two or three from them. Um, Kansas City, their last ten games, they're four and six, and so is the the, the uh, Texas Rangers, also four and six in their yeah. last ten. So they're not the Astros, or not the Astros. They're not the A's that have been hot as of lately. So hopefully, we got better luck for these teams. And like you were saying, yeah. Joe, these are teams in the second half of the schedule that is our soft, soft part of the schedule. But like you're saying, these are teams that are giving away players. So you should be able to take advantage of them. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and, you know, this team, they're going to have to capitalize now. It's, it's now or never. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling much better. I mean, all we got to do is get to these guys as bullpens, right? I mean, even with the Royals today, we get to the bullpen, we could probably still win this game only down two nothing. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll wait and see how it goes. But uh, Vinny, anything you're looking for in the matchup against the Rangers later this week? Uh, really quick, the Royals have the highest ERA amongst bullpen in the American League, so that's just something to keep an eye on. Andrew Vaughn's on third. Hopefully, they are able to mount this comeback. I think the Rangers are a little bit better than the Royals. Um, they have I don't know if they're better. Their records are probably pretty similar, but they have more dangerous players that can hurt you and. I, a lot of their best players are ones that are locked in and like supposed to remain there while the young kids come up and perform. Sure. I mean, they got guys like Jack Leiter and stuff like that. And so, you know, and I believe they also drafted Kumar Rocker third overall. So they got both of them after uh, being dominant at Vanderbilt in 2021. So it's going to be interesting to see that team going forward. But the White Sox should be able to beat them. They're good on the road. They got their their two best pitchers so far this season going in the series. And then, you know, I like to think Giolito has been bouncing back a little bit lately. Like you said, get past the first inning and you should be able to do well, less pressure on the road. It's a beautiful ballpark. It's, you know, it's exciting. You know, this is what it's all about. They're in a division race in August. It's certainly better than, you know, it's not like it was last year. I, I would prefer it to be like it was last year, 10-game lead midway through August. That was more fun. But, you know, you certainly could be 10 games out and selling. So, you know, at least it's fun to keep track of the team as of right now. And going into these two series with a chance to win them and put themselves in position to be in first place, I don't hate it. Yeah, and I mean, I think we got to be grateful that we're even in it at this point. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that uh, wish they were – within the striking distance that we are with the start we had. So I feel grateful for that. Uh, speaking of hot starts, well, at least hot teams right now, uh, into the pick-to-click section, our buddy Zim, who couldn't be with us tonight because he's got some stuff to take care of at home, but we're thinking he's in. He wins again for pick-to-click. He took Dylan Cease last week. 
And for the second consecutive week, it paid off for him. So Zim winning again. Let me see if I can find the updated standings here. Zim has fought his way back into a tie for the lead in pick the click. And it appears that we made it to our first portion of the show where Mr. Joe Mandel lost his internet and just leaves me and Gonzo behind. So I believe what Joe was saying was, before he started to crackle out, was that our buddy Steven Zim Zimmerman decided to just all of a sudden get really hot and stop sucking at pick-to-click by picking the ace on the team like every possible week that he can. Like, you know, real creative of you to get back in the win column there, Zim. But um, he takes the lead, or he ties for the lead with Gonzo. Joe wasn't able to get the graphic up onto the screen. But if my memory serves me correct, Gonzo and Zim are in a two-way tie for first with four wins. And then I believe I'm in second with three. And then Joe is in – or I would be in third with three. And then Joe is in last with two, if I recall correctly. And we're still waiting. Joe's going to – I just see my text message from – keep talking he's going to come back while well, we all know we could talk but you know gonzo you're the sea sky around here i mean we're all sea skies i'm not even gonna i'm not self-proclaiming you the sea sky we're all sea skies because we got him from the cubs which makes it fun and he's just been so magnificent that every white Sox fan has just embraced him and clearly he's the guy so you know what are your thoughts on him as zim's pick to click and would, if you were Zim as the winner, would you pick him a third straight week? We'll well, wait for Joe to make our picks. Yeah, of course. No, I mean, that was a great move by uh, Zim. I mean, that was, if I remember right, that was a two-week stretch that we were doing. So yep. um, Zim was able to get at least two starts out of C's, and he was spectacular, so that was a great pick. And I know, Vinny, if you remember right, I mean, we all wanted C's in um, that pick-to-click section when we last – uh, we're doing that portion with for the uh, Jake Berger interview for that show. Um, would you go again? Well, I mean, that's up to uh, Zim, but it's only one start on Friday on the road. Um, maybe Zim would want to go with a uh, Michael Kopech that has two starts this week or a Lucas Giolito, two starts this week, if he wants to choose a pitcher. Um, what, what, what do you think, Vinny? What do you think about the potential of two stars from those two pitchers with the schedule. I mean, yeah, I, I would roll with Cease. I mean, Giolito is going to be facing weaker competition than he has in the past, obviously. He didn't face the A's last time out there was against, what was it? Was it the Guardians? So, like, I don't know. Cease is finally not pitching on a Sunday. We'll see if he can keep up these numbers not wearing the the Sunday home jersey. No, I'm kidding. But I'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to be his first start that's not a Sunday and a couple starts here just because of the fact that he had the Sunday start two starts ago and then they had that weird week where they were off on Monday and Thursday. So they only played on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then he was lined right back up on the Sunday again. But, you know, it's rare that the same day is five starts or five games later. But um, I think Joe is taking a little bit longer to come back than he would have anticipated. So why don't we get around to just making our picks and then we'll update Joe on where we're at with that. Or no, do we have to wait for Zim's pick to come in first since he won? I think we have to wait for Zim. Yeah, well, we'll give Zim Leary Garcia 
and that's just how we'll roll with that. And he can, you know, not win for a third straight week. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, I'm trying to think of something we could talk about here while we wait for Joe. Um, how about Vinny um, with the trade with Reese McGuire? As you know, that was our defensive catcher, and saving Grandal and more so our offensive bats. But now that Sebi's going to get more catching. Now, again, Vinny, you might have more information on maybe a starter coming that would be better than Sebi. But I know I brought up earlier in the show, I mean, we saw Sebi take his eye off the ball and the rest of the play a couple times. Um, I don't know how you feel about his um, calling a game, Sebi. But I remember, and that start with Lance Lynn, that's kind of irritated me. I'm not going to lie to you, Vinny, that, that with that – it was the plate appearance with Piscotti on that home run he had. You saw earlier in the at-bat, they were trying to go inside, and he followed you know, a couple of them off. But even before that one, that first one they followed off, the pitch before was a cutter out, and he whiffed on it. And they, then they went in and got it to 2-2. Two and two. I don't know why they didn't. Like, Sebi wouldn't stay out, get him whiffing on it, a cutter out, then coming back in where you probably know his, you know, that's where he wants it. It drove me out – crazy because for Cueto he literally has to really miss inside because with his velocity if he misses right over the plate inside that's what's going to happen and you're going to give up that you know two-run bomb again that should have been a there there's a three-run bomb should have been two-run bomb with the air with Jose at first which you don't really see um but altogether I mean how do you respond to that because you know I I'm hoping that they do bring a starter in because I going down the stretch, I don't want to see him calling the game, you know, ultimately. Yeah, it's I think it's a combination of things. Uh, they they're not I don't see them bringing in a third catcher. I think the consensus is that Sebi kind of like won the backup job and that's why they traded Reese. And they're kind of in that weird position la- uh, where they didn't have this last year where what if Grendahl gets hurt again or what if Sebi gets hurt again? Then who's the second catcher? I mean, they would probably have to call up whoever's making the more of the starts in Charlotte to take that job or, you know, sign someone off waivers or whatever. Um, Danny Mendick's not there anymore to be like emergency guy. Uh, not a lot of people know that Danny Mendick is the emergency catcher when he's on the roster. And so, you know, I think it's a combination of things. Lynn's got to make his spots and Sebi's got to be calling good pitches. That was not a good pitch to Loriano or not to Loriano to Piscotti when he absolutely crushed it you know I was there at that game so I didn't necessarily see it like head on like when you see it at TV but you know it's just one of those things that I think it's they get a lot of offense from their catchers well they're supposed to and they definitely make that trade where they're not going to be the greatest stalwarts back there you don't got Tucker Barnhart back there by any means um he took the high off the ball on the play at the plate and, you know, that run scored on that play, the walk-off. Um, I'm not sure they would have beat him anyway, but at least they would have had a fighting chance if he was able to scoop that up. But my response is I don't necessarily think they – it's not that I'm going to say they don't care because, like, of course they care. But it's just not something that's at the top of their list right now, of a backup catcher. And – they're sacrificing defense for offense at just about every position. Yeah. No, you if you remember Vinny, this uh, in spring training, Tony had high praise for Carlos Perez 
who was having a really great spring. Maybe that's the guy that they bring in. Um, I mean, I was kind of shocked ultimately that Zach Collins beat out Carlos Perez with just because of the praise Tony had for him in the spring. I get it on the standpoint of, you know, the asset of at the time what Zach Collins meant to the organization being first round draft pick, giving him the opportunity to have those at bats. But now that it's changed now, of course, maybe this is the opportunity that to bring up Perez. Um, I mean, we're just what a couple weeks away from call-ups. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they're going to do with the 40 men and, and ultimately all the options with maybe Luis Robert coming back. But uh, is there anything that really excites you, Vinny, coming up here? Um, I think the fact that they're in a division race makes it better than nothing. But, you know, as far as the trade deadline and stuff, I'll have more of like a full-blown opinion on that after tomorrow at five, but people are going to get mad about the Jake Diekman thing. Like, Oh really? That's the guy we get. Well, if that's the only guy they get, then you have every right to be mad. But if you're mad that that's the return they got from McGuire, then I don't know what you thought you were going to get from the guy who was clearly deemed the third string and catcher on the team and him and um, Zavala were free agents or not free agents. They're both, either getting DFA'd or staying because they're both out of options. So, you know, I guess it excites me to know that tomorrow could bring something fun, but I'm a little annoyed that they're losing this game to nothing right now. And they have a chance to win still. I mean, there's runners on second and third, two outs in the seventh inning. Kopech has actually, you know, had a really good game. He's not even at 100 pitches yet, and he's one out away from getting through the second with only giving up – or the seventh, only giving up two runs. If they win this game, they could be one game out of first place, you know, by the time it's done. And, you know, that's what excites me, the fact that there's actual storylines around this team that don't revolve around them just sucking so bad. I mean, they've had their moments, but I definitely – I think there's more to like than dislike right now now could it take a turn for the worst by the time october comes absolutely but i mean i kind of see them one of two things is going to happen they're going to continue middling or they're going to finally grab the bull by the horn and take this thing joe welcome back um i just don't i don't see it getting like truly like disgraceful where they end up 10 games under 500 or anything like that and that's the thing with what you were alluding to with the Sox just focusing on pitching. And, and you know, that's from the sources that you have. And it just surprises me because I would really think, like, after this Deakman acquisition, that they have enough pitching. Maybe you can go add a starter, but I would totally think that you'd be more focused on getting at least a bat or two, either a second baseman or corner outfielder, because of what you're seeing right now. And that's the anemic, you know, offense that you have and with leaving runners on base in scoring position, it's just disgusting. And if you want to have a shot to win these games while your pitching is keeping you in the games, you need to add some offense. Um, it's just, it's frustrating. It sure is. And Joe, welcome back. I know you were in the middle of discussing Zim as the 
winner of the picks to click. We were just quickly talking about things that are exciting about the White Sox down the stretch. But if you want to head right back into that conversation, by all means. Yeah, for sure. What I was going to say is that Zim now has made it to the point of being tied for the lead in the pick to click. Let's see if I can find that statistic here somewhere. Let's see if it's saved before my internet cut out before. But yes, look at this. Vinny, it's got three. Gonzo and Zim tied with four apiece. And I'm stuck at two. I guessed uh, the standings while you were gone and nailed it. Absolutely. Really? Nailed it. It's been two weeks since I've seen that graphic updated. My memory served me well for once in my life. Very nice. Very, very nice. So our, our buddy Zim uh, reached out, said he's going to go with Jose Abreu as his pick to click for the week. Coward. So, yeah, I thought he'd ride He'd ride for the third week in a row with Cease, but he doesn't get two starts. Um, but uh, I'll give the next one to Vinny for his pick since he's due for a win just like I am, but that's all right. I'll go last. So, Vinny, who are you going to go with for your pick to clay? Um, pretty right-handed, heavy um, set of pitchers they're set to face, at least as starters. Um, and it's it's so obvious to me that teams go to school on – I mean, we all know that they watch tape and study and, you know, codify and all that kind of stuff. Um, so part of me thinks a left – or a guy that can hit lefty is a good idea here. I mean, I would like to pick Robert. I just don't think he's going to play in this Kansas City series. That was kind of confirmed by Tony LaRusso earlier. Like, will he go to Globe Life and play at Arlington? I don't know. Um, I'm actually one of the White Sox hitters that's a right-handed hitter that hits righties pretty okay, besides Abreu, who Zim took, is Eloy Jimenez. So I think for that reason, I'm going to take Eloy as my pick to click this week. Just hopefully he doesn't, like, tear anything or – break any bones yeah. or you know no you, ever, you know that episode of spongebob where the, one we'll of the see. guys i, I like it, it i like it good pick good pick Vinny. uh gonzo how about you he must have not been able to hear me Forgot <laughs> i probably froze <laughs> oh, oh sorry man. yeah you did <laughs> no that's funny that's funny all of a sudden i see gonzo like start cracking up because joe just starts talking right over me <laughs> no i'm laughing because right, that's up. I think that's talk. I think that's the first time that Joe has talked over Vinny. <laughs> Funny. It's <laughs> it's because I can't hear. Sorry. Joe, grade your internet on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> Zero? Oh, Zero. I was waiting for I was waiting for a negative burger. Ooh. Well, maybe. But we'll see. But uh Oh, my pick to click. Okay. Um, mm, part of me wants to go with Vaughn, but I can't trust on if he, how many bats he's going to get this week with how Gavin's been lately. So I'm going to go with my boy, Tammy Anderson, and I hope he mixes the pasta up this week. Um, I got to go with my boy, Timmy, here. Come on, Timmy. Let's go. Get me back on the board. I need to get going here because I've been cold lately. I am in no way trying to persuade you from changing your pick really quick. But there is a chance that his suspension gets upheld and then he's forced to serve it right then and there. 
And it was a three game. It was a three gamer. So you could still win it without those three games. We know how sweet TA is. But I'm not trying to persuade you by any means because it also, if you decide to change right now and then he doesn't get suspended for three games during this week, you can't come after me because it's not a guarantee. But it definitely is something to think about. And I think it's I think it's fair that we point these things out to each other before making our picks to click. I would never think that. Vinny would try to help out Gonzo on a pick to click. But I'm going to take that advice, actually, because I know baseball wants to uh, have a grudge on Timmy. Um, Going back to his situation with Josh Donaldson, Josh didn't get hardly nothing. Um, So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Vinny. I'm actually, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I'm changing it. Going with Vaughn. I'm hoping Tony helps me out and gives Vaughn his bats that he needs this week. Um, and Vaughn's been hot lately, so hopefully he continues. Um, my pick to click is going to be Andrew Vaughn. Um, and I want to give, I do want to give before Joe, you make your pick. I want to give, uh, allow Vinny to give an opportunity here to do some quick homework for me, but the home plate umpire that tossed out, uh, Tim in that situation, can you do Look up. To, I want. I. I really thought that that was the same guy that tossed him out in Milwaukee. In that situation that he had last year or the year before that, that turned out um, to be crazy. I don't believe it's the same guy. I do have his okay. name readily available. I'm on SouthsideShowdown.com. Um, those of you who don't know, that's your best place to get your White Sox information via uh, print. Um, hold on, Anderson suspended umpire. Wait, I got it. I got it. I got it. Hold on. Hold on. I, it's in the article. Okay. I know it's off the, the blue, Joe, but I was really curious about this. Nick Marley. Yeah. Nick Marley is the umpire that ejected Tim Anderson at guaranteed rate field on Friday night. Yeah, it ticked me off because I thought that that was the same guy that was in that caused that situation in Milwaukee. I think it was last year or the year before that. Here, I, I can find out, actually, if it's the same guy. Uh it was against it was against Detroit last year. I think it was Milwaukee. In uh it was at Milwaukee that Timmy got tossed out and it turned out to this whole situation. Well while he looks that up. Yeah, while he looks that up and while I have connection, um it'll make my pick to click. I'm going to go with a guy with two starts this week. I'm going to go with Moist Michael Kopech. Just I'm a little desperate to get a win, and if he does well, uh, it might put me in the start in, in the driver's seat. So I'm going to go with Kopech is my pick to click. Guys, those taking in Javon, Zim, Jose Abreu, and Vinny Aloy Jimenez. So we shall see what the week brings, gentlemen. And the did, did that all come through? <laughs> yeah, yeah good. I wanted I to make up. sure you were still here. So yeah, I'm still trying to work on because he got suspended from the game in Milwaukee. The Detroit game was the last series of the season. He did get ejected in a series. Nope, it was John Libka that ejected him in Milwaukee last year. But I could find out about Detroit also because – I don't think it was the same one from Detroit, though. That's it was the same incident. He uh, yeah bumped the umpire. Um, 
I was just curious because I want to ask that question because when I first saw it happen, I really thought that that was the same guy because they look really similar. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, something's, something's going on with this. That's funny. It's Every MLB umpire these days looks like an a-hole. Oh, you know what? <laughs> oh, no, this was... This was the most recent. I'll have that for you next show, whether or not it was, uh, you know, the same umpire. But, you know, really quick, sometimes every now and then when you're doing a show and Joe has internet troubles, we need a quick commercial break. Bandu, you preferred the method of having uh, altering. Uh... No, no, because uh, Mark Trussman did that and Matt Nagy did that, and arguably they're the worst two coaches in the history of the franchise. <laughs> You're forgetting John Fox. He squeezes in there, maybe. <laughs> uh, did Fox do that too? I, I think so. Uh, that put the C on Fields and leave it there. Exactly. I, I, we're going to Baltimore. The Wire is the best show of all time. And I've never seen such riveting TV where I actually felt like I was in East and West Baltimore every single episode. And um, it was just absolutely riveting and captivating from season one all the way to season, you know, to it finished up. And I put your detective up there. McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. I mean, come on. It was just so well shot, so well written, directed. Like, I, don't, I feel like it's underrated as far as that list goes. Really good. Hall, since I came here, has been expanded twice. Both times after we were gone, by the way. So <laughs> we never we never got it. But I mean, it was tiny. Do, do you think that uh, Olin Krutz would politely ask you to leave the weight room because it was so crowded? <laughs> you, I told you what Olin I told you what Olin used to say to me. I know, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> no, and and that was at five o'clock when there's, you know. There's no players around. Gabriel, <laughs> oh, get the f out of my weight room. Oh, and I go. <laughs> oh, I think I got a commercial. <laughs> we now return to South Burbs Hitmen. All right, boys, thanks for hanging out for that quick commercial break. But uh, we've talked a lot. My internet shot me off, shot me back, and here we are again trying to get towards the tail end of the show. But uh, one thing I wanted to briefly touch on to have some fun at the end is our favorite trade deadline deals. Um, if you have a favorite that touches your mind or maybe one that really stunk, Chris Gonzalez, do you have one off the top of your mind that reminds you of uh, the trade deadline? I know which one's my absolute one, or like the absolute one that I hated. Let's go with um, that. Then. And then I'm working on my favorite one, but the one I hated the most was seeing my boy Chris Sale go to Boston. Um, even though 
yeah, it brought back, our, you know, Johan Mankata and Michael Kopech. But that was just – Chris Hill was my all-time favorite pitcher, um, at least, you know, on the White Sox. And at the time, I hated it, and I, I still do now. Um, but it is what it is, you know. I mean, I know a lot of people hated – Chris sailed because of the incident with him cutting up his jersey and the flag he took for that. Um, but that's a guy that probably should have won, if not one, but two Cy Young awards for the White Sox during his tenure here. Um, and I'm just, yeah. I remember early on, I'm not sure if Vinny can confirm this, but I remember early on the original talks was that Devers and Ben Tendi were originally offered and the deal for him. And they talked it and got to Kopech and Mankata. But it would have just been wild if, you know, they, they did accept it with Devers and Ben and Tendi. Um, not sure if Kopech was also included a part of that, but that would have been wild if you got the three of them in that deal versus what they got. I know everything's in hindsight, but that would have been really interesting if we had Devers. <laughs> Go ahead, Vinny. Yeah, I think Kopech was coming no matter what. They negotiated between Benintendi, Mancada, and Devers. And I think Benintendi's best season is better than Mancada's, but I think Mancada as a whole is probably better than Benintendi. It's close. One's really good defensively. One is outstanding you know, offensively. And then Devers is better. Devers is the better player than both of them. But um, the Red Sox were never going to end up giving, getting rid of Devers, I don't think. But yeah, that's definitely an in- interesting one. It's similar to the Cubs. The White Sox wanted Schwarber. I did confirm that later on after the trade. The White Sox wanted Schwarber instead of Jimenez. And there are people who would probably take Schwarber right now over Eloy, but... Eloy has the fourth hardest hit rate in baseball right now. He just needs to play. That's the biggest critique I have on Eloy. He's not a bad hitter at all. Vinny, that might be my favorite deal for deadline, the Cubs deal, because that was July 13th, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little – I would consider it a deadline deal. Just, I consider it a deadline deal if, like, it's within two weeks of the trade deadline. Like, the deadline's coming up. We need to get this done. They got it done. That's a trade deadline deal, in my opinion. Yeah, that might be my favorite. Then, ultimately, looking at, like, all the uh, the history of the Sox with their, their deals in the season at the deadline. Um, getting back Cease and Eloy for Contana. Um, now I look back at it, and I might consider Cease is that big anchor in that deal. I know you can argue the potential of Eloy, but the fact that you have top rotation arm, guy that's going to be likely your ace of the future here. And, I mean, I'm pretty close to calling Dylan an an elite arm. Um, I need to see a little bit more from him. Um, Personally, for me, for him to become the elite arm, I want to see him utilize that change up and become a four pitch pitcher that can command all four and just throw everybody off. And maybe we see that this postseason, maybe he brings it in the postseason to throw off these contender lineups that 
he's going to be facing likely. Um, but yeah, that's just a guy that I have high praise for, and hopefully Eli can turn it around, be our DH of the future. Because um, I don't think we're going to see him too much in left field going forward after this year. Um, but yeah, like Vinny was saying, guy that has a hard ball hit rate, guy can hit bombs. He just needs to stay healthy. Love it, Gonzo. Uh, Vinny, real quick, do you have a favorite or a least favorite trade before we um, get out of here? Yeah, I really liked Craig Kimbrell in the moment. It turned out to be dog crap. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but in the moment, I was like, okay, you can have two of the best closers in the game. I don't think Kimbrell was used right. Um, I don't think the plan was executed with Kimbrell correctly. But Madrigal sucks, and Cody Hoyer's out for a billion years, so it doesn't really – and Pollock's been pretty good. So, um, you know, it is what it is. At the time, I liked it. But my favorite trade deadline deal of all time was in 2005 when pretty last second the Chicago White Sox made a trade with the Houston Astros to acquire a man by the name of Jeff Blum who would go on that year to hit a – 13th inning, 14th inning home run in the top Late. of the, the top of the 14th inning to give the White Sox the lead over you guessed it, the Houston Astros. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah, that was a pretty special one. Uh, I'm trying to think to, I'm trying to think to my favorite trade I think probably it's the I'm going to go with the one that I was most excited about, even though it probably didn't mean much for this team as a whole. Uh, but I was really excited when the White Sox traded for Jake Peavy. Um, Jake Peavy was awesome. He was, was for us. But, I, but do you guys remember the first time they traded for Jake Peavy and he declined it or he didn't want to come here or something along those lines? And then yep. we ended up trading for him again and he waived it. Um, the Gold Glove Award winner. That's right. So I was excited about it at the time. He was great for us until he tore off his back muscle um, and somehow managed to come back from that. So props to Jake Peavy. That's the one I like the most. And I'm not even going to pick a worse one. Because who knows? Maybe another one will come up on our radar tomorrow. I don't want to jinx anything. But um we talked a lot of baseball. I got disconnected for 15 minutes, and Vinny and Chris took it home, so appreciate you boys, but got this far in the show. Big week at the ballroom. Dan and Aldo bear their souls. You've got Vinny twice. you got bar down, and then you also have Crosstown Crosstalk. Um, Fantasy Football Goon will be back at the end of the month. Uh, you got Science Fliction. you got Bulls Gold. Uh, there's so many shows. I know I'm forgetting some, but Vinny, why don't you talk about what you got coming up this week? I have a very, very, very special guest coming on Wednesday, bar down talking hockey. It's the middle of freaking summer. I mean, there hasn't been anything big. Kachuk was traded for Huberto a couple weeks ago. We talked about that. It's all recapped. There's not really much in the hockey world going on right now. A couple assistant coaches hired here and there. But me and Frankie Mueller are both fans of the show, Big Brother. And I know Frankie Mueller is not watching this right now. If he is, I'll be stunned. So, you know, I, I can't wait to break the news to him unless I'm breaking it to him right now. But there's no way he's watching this. I'd be absolutely 
freaking flabbergasted. But the guy who was evicted on Big Brother, um, Joseph Pooch, I think his last name's Puccinelli, but his nickname is Pooch. He is coming on our show to talk about he's a big sports fan. He's a New York guy, Yankees, Rangers. I don't know if Jets or Giants. I actually don't know if it's Rangers or Islanders. I just know it's Yankees over Mets for sure for him. But I'm very excited to do it, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm hoping it brings a lot of eyeballs. As far as Crosstown Crosstalk, I believe um, I'm going to have to pre-record it um, because I'm going to Nashville to celebrate Katie's birthday. I know we're not at the shout-out portion of the show yet, but she is having a very special birthday, and I'm excited to celebrate it with her in the great city of Nash, Vegas. So Crosstown Crosstalk is going to be a pre-recorded one, but um, it'll be a good one. We're recapping the trade deadline and... You know, whatever we see between now and tomorrow will be recapped on that show and we'll preview the White Sox, the Cubs, rest of the MLB storylines. Very excited about it. Very excited for football, too. I know there's the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night. The Barroom Network will be all over it. And, you know, I saw today college football so soon. So soon. I love college football. So, you know, it's going to be good. I'm excited about sports. Get ready. It's on its way. But a huge week here at the Barroom. Mash that subscribe button. Tons of great shows. You don't want to miss any of them. I believe the Mike Martha Advantage is also this week. Um, so much stuff. So many shows. A little time. Subscribe and help us out. We appreciate everyone tuning in. But now we're officially at the shout-out portion of the show. And you know what? Actually, before we do that, we do have a guest next week that I do need to promo. We have Lamond Pope coming on the show next week to talk a little White Sox with us. That is going to be a nice show. Lamond was on with us last year. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Lamond Pope is, covers the White Sox for the Chicago Tribune. So he is going to be with us on the show next week. Don't miss that, uh, especially after the deadline. It could be a big week. So excited to see what Lamond has to say. But now we are officially at the trade deadline, uh, the trade deadline, the shout out portion of the show. That's how far my brain has gone in the trade world. Uh, but guys, why don't we things off on the shout outs and we'll quickly get out of here. Yeah, I'm going to have to say that Vinny's had um, an amazing couple of weeks here with the bar down hockey on his show. Um, I've been enjoying that. Thank um, you. And I'm going to, of course, shout out my girlfriend, Soraya, which I know she's been going around my back here on the show today a couple times here, but um, she's all moved in, settled in. Um, we're just putting together our place. And as you can see in the background, maybe I got to raise this up a little bit, but we got a new couch over here finally. So we're starting to put things together. Um, she's my absolute support out here and i gotta give her the shout out because she's truly amazing um i'm also going to shout out uh ray the bartender or the bar bartender <laughs> he's oh, probably a bartender too but <laughs> ray the barber who's a friend of the show um who we had before the uh burger interview or burger show whatever you want to call it it was amazing but um, Ray's been killing it on the spaces and, uh, now he has his own little juke joint, a little podcast, and he's got two episodes out to listen to and they've been pretty solid. So Ray, if you're listening, keep doing your thing, brother. Um, I got shout out everybody else that has tuned in tonight on our trade deadline special to make it what it is. 
Ray issued us a challenge last week. I don't know if you guys saw that on their podcast. Uh, he issued us a fantasy challenge to enter his fantasy league. So we'll, uh, I told him we accepted and we'll figure out how it's all going to work, but we're looking forward to that. So thanks for the invite, Ray. Uh, Vinny Parisi, now time for your shout outs, buddy. I mean, you know my shout out. It's Katie. She's turning, uh, I don't know if she wants me to say how old she's turning. She's got a big birthday coming up. And I'm very, very, very excited to celebrate 18? It. Yeah, 18. <laughs> like in uh, like in Talladega Nights. Please be 18. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> um, very excited. We're going to Nashville. You know, I've been to Nashville once before. Um, she has never. So it's going to be an exciting time. Nashville is one of my favorite places. I think if I were making a Mount Rushmore of cities I've visited, Nashville would absolutely be on it. I mean, music, sports. Drinking, gam- not so much gambling, um, dancing, eating, drinking, uh, literally everything that's fun is going on in Nashville, and I'm excited to celebrate it with her. She means everything to me, and I'm going to show her how important she is to me on her birthday and her birthday weekend and her birthday month. Is she turning Nick Swisher? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dug deep for that one. <laughs> or Maglio Ordonez. Oh, but I freaking hate Nick Swisher. Why would you bring him? How about Maglio Ordonez? Yeah. Let's do that. My dad has a Maglio Ordonez jersey. So, yes, M- much bigger fan of that guy than the previous one you named. Oh, Nick Swisher. Ugh. Talk about brutal White Sox era. Uh, I would yeah, take the 2016. I would take the 2016 White Sox that were just a complete. You think this White Sox team is disgusting? I love when I see people say, most frustrating White Sox team I've ever seen. I'm like, these people don't remember 2013. The only year they've came in last since the AL. All in. Yeah. In 2013, they came in last. It's the only time they've ever come in last place of the AL Central Division as currently constructed. At 2012, they blew a lead in the last month of the season. 2016, they were like 23-9 and nine to start the season. Get out of here with this being the worst season you've ever seen. That is just not true. I love the shout out, Vinny. I love it. And uh, yeah. happy birthday to Katie. Have fun in, in Nashville. Have some hot chicken. Have some cocktails. Oh, yeah. Enjoy. The, uh, the hot chicken one is uh, that's a present for me, just as much as it is as it is for her. You know, like you know those like beneficial presents. Hot chicken's one of those for me. There you go. <laughs> don't don't explode your insides. Oh, I've had – I went to Hattie B's last time I was there, and I ate the one that's like they warn you about. Well, don't, you survived. You don't do it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably um, going to do it again to be like a showman in front of all her friends like so everyone could laugh at me and stuff. But <laughs> Well, awesome. Good stuff, Vin. Uh, I'll stick to my usual shout-outs as well. Shout-out to my beautiful wife, Catherine. My – Beautiful, now six-month-old daughter, Audrey. It's amazing. You're growing like a weed. I love you, Audrey. And my <laughs> two-year-old Great Dane Maverick, always love you. And I want to shout out you guys for always doing a great show, uh, hanging out with me, always fun. Thanks for carrying it for 20 minutes while I figured out my connection issues. And uh, shout out to Zim, who um, is dealing with some stuff at home and is a little under the weather. So, we're thinking of you, buddy, and everyone else here on the Barroom Network, all the other shows. I want to shout you guys out and everyone else in the chat room. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. 
trade deadline tomorrow. We'll see what the White Sox do. Uh, let's see if they can pull off this game. Is it still going, Vinny, this game? Yep, they are losing 2-1. to one. So talk shit about them, Joe. Everything that you say in the last five seconds of the show normally comes back to bite you. So talk some, talk some junk about them. Well, the White Sox lost today. Let's see if they can bounce back tomorrow against the, <laughs> the Kansas City Royals. Let's see if this plays out the way I hope it does. But um, with that said, it's a great way to end the show. Wait, can uh, we address your dad's comment really quick about the World Cup? Uh, Mr. Mandel, yes, absolutely. I like the World Cup in November, like Christmas World Cup. Lay it on me. I cannot wait. I'm not even a big soccer guy. I'm I'm fully in hockey mode and college football mode by then. But this year, I'm adding hockey to my arsenal. Cannot wait. Yeah, it's going to be interesting having it in November. It's going to be mm-hmm. two different kinds of football at once. So, love it. <laughs> But, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that as well. But major shout-out to everyone in the chat room. Thank you, guys. Thanks, all White Sox fans. Let's make some trades tomorrow. Let's win. Well, I'm not going to say anything about the game tonight. I already jinxed it. But uh, let's lose and uh, come back at it fresh tomorrow. And uh, we'll do some uh, reverse psychology there. But thank you for tuning in for the South Burbs Hitman. I'm Joe Mandel. That's Chris Gonzalez. The guy on the bottom there, that's Vinny Parisi with his socks crawl cap on. And, uh, oh, yeah, shout out to you, Vinny, by the way, for getting me one of those hats. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, it's time to get out of here. So let's go, White Sox. Trade deadline. I'm going to leave now. I'm not frozen. I'll pretend I'm frozen. See you guys next week with Lamont Pope from the Chicago Tribune. Let's go, White Sox. (laughs) 